Oh, yeah. Vibes Nation, this is your pal, Dane Alves, with another enticing episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance, coming to you Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. EST. Look, we got some changes that might be getting made within the next week or so, so we might be changing our dates. I've already told you that and given you warnings, but normally it's between 6 or 7 when we release our show and blog talk, at least live, but you guys always listen to audios afterwards that's the uh that's the popular thing to do but we have a lot of shit to break down so i'm gonna stop rambling right now uh go to geekvibesnation.com for all news when it comes to comic book movies film television shows wrestling if it's geeky we cover it uh also links to our spotify account um and our stitcher our, our itunes and all that wonderful stuff just search search uh wrestling geeks alliance you'll find all of our shows on them subscribe if you're not listening live on Blog Talk, and uh, also all of our social medias, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Geek Vibes Nation, join the conversation. Message me. I'm also, of course, joined by my wonderful co-host, Christopher Brother Ray Patton. How are you doing today, sir? Doing great, man. A hell of a lot better than the Braves right now, so that's, uh, that's something to be positive about. <laughs> How are you doing, bud? Um, you know... I'm I'm fine. I'm not a baseball fan, even though I live in Atlanta, and I'm probably going to have to deal with a lot of uh, aggression from coworkers for no reason, because I don't even give a shit about baseball, <laughs> but go Bravos, you know? Um, but anyways, <laughs> let's get right into it, man. Uh, we're, what were you going to say, Chris? I was going to say, uh, for everyone out there that didn't know, we live in Atlanta. <laughs> so, there you ATL go. ATL host. You know, go listen to some outcast. Um, but yeah, so let's uh, let's start. You know, going over this coverage because me and Chris kind of want to finish this show before the start of uh, week two of the Wednesday Night Wars. So in order to do that, we need to go over last week since we didn't have a show on Saturday uh, for the Wednesday Night Wars of last week. And uh, it started off. I think that we should go over AEW Dynamite and then we'll do NXT because AEW Dynamite was premiering their show on TNT for the first time. And it started off with Cody Rhodes, uh, with Brandy Rhodes, uh, going against Sammy Guevara. And uh, good back-and-forth match. Um, you know, gave Sammy a lot of time to show his wrestling skills, which we've seen a little bit of uh, in the last couple of pay-per-views. But, you know, more of a spotlight match. And this is definitely big for him and also Cody because it's the first match of this television show. Like, this is going to be something that goes down in the wrestling history books. So it's important to have, you know, a good performing match. And I thought that they did a great job with everything, pretty much with the in-ring work. Uh, I think that Cody continues to be – and you would never think this because he has this great 
ability when it comes to being a heel and just being cocky and arrogant, but he also makes a great baby face, and he really can get the audience into him. Uh, I like the spot with Brandy uh, getting pulled in the way and showed Sammy more so as a heel. I will say I agree with some criticisms that they might have used that spot, you know, with her getting hit maybe in something a little bit bigger, but then again, it's the first match. And more so the fact that afterwards Cody wanted to shake Sammy's hand because, I mean, you know, he had no problem putting your, your your lady at jeopardy. But that's me nitpicking. I thought the match was really good. Uh, Cody ended up winning against Sammy, but, you know, he had to do it with the roll-up. Uh, Sammy was actually at some points getting the better of him, which is good to create him uh, and put him at a higher level. But now, you know, Cody's going to be going against uh, Chris Jericho, and afterwards there was a an interview with Tony Schiavone that got interrupted and uh, basically, you know, Sammy went, you know, Cody went to go shake Sammy's hand. They did, but it was a distraction or so maybe we we wouldn't know yet, but it was definitely a distraction for Y2J to come out and just completely destroy Cody uh, in the picture in picture between the whole entire fucking commercial break and coming back. And uh, you know, Jericho is Jericho, but uh, Chris, what do you think about this first match? Uh, on the first episode of AEW Dynamite. I think they did a great job of uh, turning Sammy into what I'm going to go ahead and consider probably a mid-card heel or a guy to look out for in the mid-card because uh, right now they don't have very clearly defined baby faces and and heels outside of the top top of the card. Um, Like you said, I think Cody has been really great at being a baby face, but I think a lot of that is just coming from the fact that he – is challenging WWE um, and helps create this company. And it's kind of been the face of the entire thing, if we're being honest, as far as being uh, out there in front of the public and, and doing the interviews and, you know, smashing Absolutely. the theoretical throne. Uh, so it's all, it's easy for the crowd to get behind him right now because he's doing something different and going against, you know, a company that kind of turned his, turned their back on him and turned him into fucking stardust. And didn't want to give him an opportunity, so I, I think from that standpoint, it's a little easy to get behind him as a babyface. I kind of agree with you. I think you, you know, with the Brandy Rhodes thing, I thought that was a good spot for Sammy. Um, obviously, you know, there can be more of that. This doesn't have to be the one time they do that. I don't want to see them do it, you know, every week with her. But obviously, you know, with with Jericho's history, you can see more down the line. Um, I kind of wanted Cody to get a stronger win, especially if you're going to do the beatdown afterwards instead of a roll-up. And I didn't necessarily like the handshake, but everything in the match itself I thought was really well done. I, th- I think it you gave you a clear, defined heel and baby face. Uh, I thought the in-ring work was pretty pretty good. Uh, I saw some stuff. Cody, Cody's kind of introduced some new moves since moving over to AEW, which I really appreciate. I think he's, to me, he's gotten a lot better in the ring since coming back from New Japan um, and working yep. in Ring of Honor. Uh, like a hundred folds compared to where he kind of was in, in WWE. Um, yeah. Overall, I thought it was a good match. The the weird thing about this match was the, uh, some of the production quality during the beatdown by Jericho. I wasn't necessarily a fan of, uh, I know they were doing the, the screen and screen and they had to go to break, uh, which was fine. But some of the production outside of that, where they, they, it seemed like they were really far away from the ring. and It was kind of hard to see what was going on, but that's kind of a nitpicky thing more than anything else. Uh, and it was also weird that this match basically ended at the same exact time as the NXT opening match, like one for one, because I was watching them both at the same time. 
and then they kind of went to commercial directly after. So I don't know if they drag out time for this or if something went long or, or whatever for the Jericho beatdown. But um, it's good to see Jericho continuing to get heat, and I think he's doing really well as like their heel top champion. And, and me and you both kind of assumed that he would be uh, great in that position. So it's good to see that they're continuing down that path for sure and, and building storylines, which I appreciate. Yeah, the production aspect, I think that I agree with you, and I think they're going to get a better grasp on that. Um, and certain things separate from that, um, they have this new concept, and I think they're trying to be innovative, and it's cool. Uh, but they have, like, a camera now in the corner. So most of the time when they go to it, you just see the person's butt uh, <laughs> in a corner view of the, uh, <laughs> the, the the turnbuckle. So maybe if they were to use that, you know, when the guy's like punching it or smashing his head into the uh, turnbuckle it would work. But uh, yeah, there, there are, there are some things that, you know, just like every company, they got to figure out. I know that they have the main production guy uh, that was in charge of uh, nitro back in the day, who I forgot what his name is, but he's the one that's working on AEW. but it's going to take a little while, you know, time to iron out. And just like, just like the sound levels and stuff like that, there were certain kooky things, you know, yeah, and, and the one thing I will also say is it's a live event, so even if the production crew is 100% perfect and spot on, they only have a set time to that commercial. So if the match itself goes long, you're still going to run into that problem, you know what I mean, as far as having no camera and camera like that. And I don't know how many of those they have saved or what that deal is with TNT, because with USA, they can only do so many of those um, you know, during the time slot. Um, which is why in some matches in WWE you'll see them do that, and in others they don't. Uh, so that that was a bit curious. And the camera and camera, the the corner camera thing, I I hated it because I can't see shit. Like you said, just just a bunch of ass in front of my face. Um, <laughs> but the, like you know the the outside, it, it it reminded me of uh, something they do in hockey, which is the behind the goalie cam, which means you can't see shit like when they do it, and I hate it every time. So hopefully they kibosh that or they figure out a way to do it so it actually is meaningful into the match. But, yeah, I, I agree with you on that. And the sound levels and stuff, they're going to get better at for sure. Um, I, some I, I just wanted to point out that some of that is going to be on the performers as well because you're go- only going to have a set time between commercials to get your shit in. Yep. All right, so after the break ended um... – Chris Jericho then uh, powerbombed Cody onto two chairs and grabbed the mic and announced his name to the crowd and, uh, you know, threw up some birds at people and just being great heel Chris Jericho. Speaking about great heels, we had MGF, or MJF uh, come out uh, with his mic and just basically called the, the uh, crowd poor and fat and stupid, uh, then called himself the fastest rising in-ring star, cut down Brandon Cutler, made him made fun of the fact that he likes uh, D&D. Um, so MGF is awesome. <laughs> he he had a match with Cutler. Cutler would actually uh, inevitably at first kind of get the better of MJF, even doing like a fez press after a spear to the outside and just berating uh, MJF with punches. MJF got him with an armbar inevitably. And then I would say if you haven't got a chance to, go check out the press conference. Just like every time that they do this with MJF afterwards and him just completely just derailing like calling people fatso, like, hey, fatso, what, what the hell do you want? Make it quick. Like, just the way that he is a heel, he never comes out of character. He's got excuses for kayfabe reasons of why he wasn't there to help Cody. It's hilarious, and I love the interaction. I think he's a great heel. And then Chris ben, uh, Van Vliet, uh had that thing with Kevin Smith and Jason Hughes. There wasn't really much to it. 
they basically just uh, set up Jack Evans and Angelico to be going against Private Party because Evans and Angelico came out, talked shit to Jason Mewes and Kevin Smith and Private Party with with cups, which I, I, I don't want there to be too much of a comparison with the Street Profits, but that's a little bit too much on the nose. Either way, they were, you know, private party enjoying themselves, setting up the match. Cool to see Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes there. What did you think about MJF uh, doing his thing, beating Brandon Cutler, and then if you want to talk anything about the uh, appearance of uh, Jane Silent Bob? Yeah, I, I think that he gave him a little bit too too much offense. It was, it was supposed to be just a squash match from what I can gather. Um, I did like the press conference yeah. afterwards, like you said. Uh, I think Cutler did a great job of selling his arm. I had a friend that was watching the show for the first time. He hadn't watched WWE in like 10 years or something and was really excited about the first uh, head-to-head. So he was watching the show, and he actually thought Cutler was hurt from the arm bar, which he wasn't, but he did a really great job of selling there. So I'll give him props. Uh, Jason Mewes and Kevin Smith. I wasn't surprised on this because Chris Jericho is in the new Jay and Silent Bob movie. So it made sense with them kind of being there and they did some photo op stuff. And uh, from a social media standpoint with AEW trending higher than NXT and WWE was on their opening night. um, If you care about social media and stuff like that, uh, having Kevin Smith there who has a huge social media following and putting that out there just further promotes your product. So from that standpoint, it made, it made sense. And it was kind of a cool little moment. Um, Yeah. And then, it, it, like you said, spot on with the Red Cup thing. I, I would steer clear away from that. You, you don't need one for one. You don't need, like, Walmart Harlem Heat and Kmart Harlem, Harlem Heat. You know what I mean? Like, Yep. I agree. All right, so then we had SoCal and Uncensored doing a uh, recorded uh, little thing where Frankie and um, Chris – are both uh, security guards and Scorpio Sky was doing a Barack Obama impression. I wanted to say that promo wasn't that great. It was just everything that they do. This the talent is worse from everything. But the impression and what are you saying? That was a really good Obama. So I have to give Scorpio some props on that. That would have then Shivani doing a very WCW esque thing that seems like they're going to do, which is awesome. Doing an interview, bringing them out. They start talking. Uh, enter Pentagon and Phoenix. Shit-talking is dispersed, and then a little bit of fighting. People come out to break them up. And JR, of course, goes, oh, look, there's Dean Malenko, which is really cool because usually they don't, <laughs> they don't like, mention the badass person that has the past in wrestling when they do this type of stuff. But uh, it, was, uh, it was a fun little pull-apart, nothing that big of a deal. And then we had a match between Pac and Hangman Adam Page, and I was very surprised that they're, they're now putting Pac in this type of position – because he actually defeated Adam Page. Uh, he, uh, basically, the ending was the ref didn't see a low blow by Pac, uh, and then after that, he hit him with the black arrow and then put him in a brutalizer, and then Earl Hefner stopped the match. So, uh, yeah, that was actually – I'm going to say I – can't, I can't really recall. I think that was my second favorite match after uh, the first match between Sammy Callahan and Cody. I really love Pac. I think he's an awesome – uh, just wrestling entertainer, heel persona, uh, you know, just in-ring wrestler. And uh, Hangman Adam Page, they're going to make him go through a journey that hopefully turns him into whatever they're looking to turn him into. But I do like him. Um, he's very agile for his size. Those, those shooting star presses are always amazing. Maybe just like kind of with – the only thing I would say is with that, with the television show, maybe you'll agree with me or not, Chris, kind of like Charlotte with the Moonsault, they should probably – save doing shit like that for the big, you know, shows because 
those don't look like they're fucking easy and they look painful um, if not done correctly or could cause a major injury. So maybe I'm just being a grandma about it. But what did you think of uh, the little bit of interaction with SCU and the Lucha Brothers setting them up for their tag tournament and then also Pac defeating Adam Page? Well, I popped for sure when they they pointed out Dean Malenko was there. <laughs> so I was excited about that. Um, I want to see Scorpio break away from SoCal. I, I like them as a group, and I think they're fine to go against the Lucha Brothers and probably have one more match with the Young Bucks. But SoCal's been out there for a while, and Scorpio, I think, is uh, – right now, Christopher Daniels in the past was probably the best member of SoCal, but right now I think that he has the most charisma and can probably do the most in AEW as far as um, – maybe becoming one of their top stars. So I would like to see him break out. And I did like the promo uh, really enjoyed the Pac Adam page match. I thought it was, I didn't think it was as good as the one they had on the pay-per-view, but it, once again, it's a television match, which stripped down a little bit. I like Pac getting the win here. Obviously that that's two wins over Adam page, who was supposedly the number one contender. So now he, you would think the next, uh, the next match they would be doing is Jericho versus Pac or, or whoever ends up with that title versus Pac uh, because they're trying to, to base everything on the wins and losses. So from that standpoint, I, I liked where they went with the match because I think Pac is a, uh, a great athlete and, and super heel. And I don't think that uh, Adam Page is ready yet. The way they've packaged him and everything, as we've talked about in the past, I just don't see him at that top level uh, like – maybe they thought he was going to be. And maybe part of that was the fact that him and Pac didn't get their feud off, like right off the ground um, because of the issues with that title that Pac had. But yeah, right now Adam Page is kind of just there for me on the show. He's not having bad matches, but he's not really doing anything to make me care if he's in the title picture. Well, we know how Jim Cornette is with certain people that work for AEW, but I will say Jim Cornette, gave a huge compliment to Adam Page, basically saying kind of what we're saying, but saying that he, he sees visually and also potential in him that he could he could be a this generation's Barry Windeman if they tune him into that, basically. He sees a lot of potential in him. And I think that's what any fan that, that, that says, that we're not trying to be negative about Hangman Page. We're just saying that we see potential in him. We just haven't seen him achieve that yet. Would you agree with that yeah, a little bit, Chris? I- yeah, I agree 100%. And I think part of that, like I said, just goes into the fact he's basically still doing what he was doing in New Japan. They gave him worse theme music. He's now taken two losses to Pac. And then before then, he was having matches as their number one contender against guys that he should have just been beating handedly. Um, and he hasn't really given us any fire in, in a promo yet. So just the way he's been packaged overall doesn't really scream like, hey, I'm a top star. Um, Hangman Adam Page has great matches. Like he he's had some really really good fucking matches, specifically in New Japan. And this match with Pac was was probably my favorite um, of the night. But as far as thinking that he should be at like the Jericho level or the Omega level or the Moxley level, I don't, I just don't see it currently. Doesn't mean it won't happen. Oh, actually, right now. Yeah, and uh, maybe if he's just you know. He's putting a lot in his performance of playing Arrow on CW. You know, I mean, playing, playing the role of Oliver <laughs> Quinn has to be a little bit exhausting. You have to put a lot into that character. Anyways, let's get to the uh, next match. Uh, first, we had Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, join commentary for a women's title match. I understand the scope of everything, but I have to give this criticism ahead of time. Britt uh, was 
kind of challenge or try to be brought into the conversation many times by JR so she could try to like say something about the talent and she kind of lost her trails um, a lot of times on commentary. Commentary is not easy and that's something I've done in a very, very small situation of trying to put your input out there. But there was a lot of camera cuts to her face, not saying anything. And finally like JR would be like, so Brent, so what do you think about Rio? And um, that means he's trying to get you engaged and, you know, I'm just saying that's kind of important because they're trying to push her as one of their, their big, uh, you know, competitors in the female division. Anyways, Rio had a match with Nyla Rose. I know a lot of people will probably throw the unrealistic concept. I, I fucking, I mean, Great Khali's gone against Rey Mysterio, so whatever. You know, I mean, I watch martial arts movies where it's even more ridiculous. I'm not saying that could happen in real life. I'm just saying, suspension of disbelief, people. Either way, I thought Rio and Nyla had a good match. And um, Rio really... For as small as she is, she's pretty damn strong. But Rio worked smart and fast throughout the match, eventually pinned Nyla after hitting her running knees to the face. After the match, Michael Nakazawa came out uh, to basically interview her, and, well, Nyla was pissed, so she attacked both of them uh, and almost killed Michael Nakazawa, giving him a powerbomb, but caught him before she dropped him on his neck, pulled him back, Afterwards, Kenny came running out to save Rio and, you know, asked Nyla, like, like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, you know, calm down. Uh, really gave Nyla, I mean, aside from the powerbomb botch a bit, but it, it made Nyla a really, really good monster heel, which is exactly what they're going for. And um, it's going to be interesting with Rio because I'm assuming they're going to position a heel against her, not a baby face. So we'll have to see what happens. Maybe be, uh, be Priestley takes that title off of her and Brit and her, you know, go against each other. Or maybe they'll put another Yoshi woman wrestler. I'm not quite sure. Chris, what did you think about this matchup? I actually thought that it was a – I actually liked the finish, and I didn't have as much problem suspending the disbelief because of the fact that Nyla was trying to kill Rio at the end, and she got over cocky and got put into those chairs, which led directly to the finish. So it wasn't that like Rio just beat the shit out of her the entire match, which would have been a little bit, you know, a little less believable. Um, it was more that Nyla was so overcome by anger and the spotlight and how she wanted to destroy things that she fucked herself, um, which kind of bled through to the end of the match with her anger. What I don't understand is Kenny Omega coming out to save anyone when he's was supposed to be turning heel. Which is what they sold that whole uh, the whole Twitter tirade and um, in or NXT thing with last week with that Kenny Omega is supposed to be a heel um, that doesn't really come off as heelish if you're coming out to save your friends so that piece I had a problem with but outside of that I mean everything was, I agree was a pretty good match and Nakazawa did almost get killed which was super scary. And it, that showed some brute strength by just capturing, regripping him, and then Liger bombing the shit out of him. But it was still a very scary spot. So, uh, yeah, maybe he's uh, slippery no matter what. I guess even with the with a suit on. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I have no idea. Uh, we'll have to find out. But yeah, that slippery bastard almost died in the powerbomb. But luckily, nothing happened. Anyways, so Chris Jericho. And uh, they can't call him LAX anymore, but Santana and Ortiz went against the Elite, uh, Kenny Omega, and the Young Bucks. Uh, it started off, but pretty much, I mean, almost immediately, John Moxley appeared and attacked Kenny Omega, threw him 
through the crowd, beat the shit out of him everywhere, brought him to a little private room, and then put him through a glass table, which I'm hoping is prop glass, because if not, ow, what the fuck. Uh, I'm pretty, didn't he just come back from like a staph infection or something? Anyways, doesn't matter. was pretty badass, the visual was, and it sets up Kenny going against uh, Moxley. Problem I had, and I think even JR pointed this out, and a lot of people had, was the fucking referee, the match already started, and blatantly saw Moxley beat the shit out of Kenny Omega and take him out of the match, and then we went with it. Whatever. I mean, all there had to have been was a reason where his distraction level wasn't there. That really wouldn't explain why Kenny wasn't there, you know, when he's not distracted, but still, that's, I don't know. That part kind of aggravated me, but other than that, good match, uh, you know, towards the end of it. But, uh, you know, they, they basically went to get the better of him, and uh, Jericho eventually pinned Matt Jackson after his Judas effect. Um, after the match, you know, the heels are beating everyone down, or the Young Bucks down. Cody runs, attacks Jericho, and Sammy Guevara runs in. You, we don't know what he's going to do. He kicks Cody in the ding-ding. Not nice. Dustin Rhodes is not happy about that. He comes out for the save, and then he kicks Sammy in the ding-ding. Then Jack Hagar, which we had no idea was coming, uh, a.k.a. Uh, Jack Swagger from WWE, uh, ex, uh, WWE, I think either WWE or World Heavyweight Champion, one of the two, also works for Bellator, um, which none of these fans had a problem with, but they hated the fact that uh, fucking Kane Velasquez came to. Anyways, appeared and attacked him. Uh, Hagar, Guevara, Santana, Ortiz. It seems to be a new heel faction with Jericho, as Jericho stood tall afterwards Tony Khan would kind of say that they look like a faction maybe they are a faction so interesting because I don't even think that Jericho's ever been part of a faction I liked the match I liked all the elements I didn't like the ref not being distracted during that whole entire transition with Moxley and Omega and I definitely liked everyone coming out at the end I mean it's the exact same thing that NXT did uh with their first episode, and it is kind of like, all right, but at least this one was more organized and there was direct people fighting for a reason. There was a formation of a faction, so that is definitely a good thing. Anyways, Chris, what did you think about this match, and then what did you think about the uh, the heel standing tall at the end of the first episode of AEW Dynamite? So I texted you immediately and asked if I missed the no DQ because I was flipping back and forth and watching multiple shows. Both were recording, but I was watching multiple shows at the same time. So I thought I did, I had just missed that it was an ODQ match when Moxley came out, attacked him, and then put him through the glass, which was awesome for Moxley. But it really like confused me because then the rest of the match was just a normal ass wrestling match, and I was like, oh, so this is just not a fucking DQ. It's it's a regular match. They just didn't call a DQ. So that piece I was confused on, much like everyone else. And um, while it's not as heinous as like. ADQ in a Hell in a Cell, <laughs> it was still a very glaring uh, problem for me with the match. So that kind of put a bad taste in my mouth. But the rest of the match I thought was really, really good. Um, it's cool to see Jack Swagger or Jack Hagar back. I think the fans don't have as much of a problem with him because I think they a lot of people feel like he got the short end of the stick towards the end of his run there in WWE. And uh, – Kane Velasquez has never been a you know a pro wrestler before, so they're going to be a little more forgiving than they will against well, someone like Kane Velasquez. Yeah, eh, briefly, right? One match, two matches so far. Well, so 
Yeah, I mean, but, I get it. I, I just think that they accepted, you know, uh, basically AEW Lex Luger, but have a problem with someone who, you know, legitimately beat Brock Lesnar, be involved in something when he's been training in Mexico, you know, and Ronda Rousey. <laughs> I mean, this has happened. Ken Shamrock. Uh, there's been lots of people that have made. Apparently, you have to be an indie wrestler. You can't be an ex-football player or a wrestler or <laughs> MMA star. That doesn't make wrestling yes. anymore. Only indie. <laughs> That's, yeah, that's I don't, the annoyance. I, I'm you not, know what I'm talking about. I have absolutely no problem with it at all. I'm just saying from that, if you're looking at it from yeah. that mindset, it seems like anyone who was a former wrestler and then went to do this, they don't have as much of a problem with um, for those those fans. I just want to put that in quotations because I don't think everyone felt that way about yeah. me. But, uh, yeah, but overall, I, I mean, I thought this was a decent match. The faction thing really makes sense with, with Jericho because you kind of have a built-in faction with the elite. So I assume that's maybe why they dialed back on Kenny and brought Moxley back where maybe Moxley has to join up with the elite or they do something like that to take down, you know, Jericho's fashion to really put things back in order. So I could see something like that happening uh, as well. But yeah, overall, I thought it was a decent match. I didn't really like the DQ stuff. I liked the ending. I will say both shows going off the air with almost the same ending is very much WCW versus Monday Night Raw. Um, they used to just have we're going to throw a billion guys in the ring for the last 10 minutes of the show so people will either flip to one or the other depending on who's in the ring which with WCW it was usually like Sting versus the NWO and you know Raw being hey, here's Austin or whatever Yep, absolutely good old days I hope there is some situation where this faction tries to include John Moxley and he completely fucks everyone up, basically, or just attacks Chris Jericho. I think that would be really fun uh, because they're, they're making it look like he's the heel between him and Kenny. But I feel like there's going to be some type of payoff with this whole thing. Or Kenny was just being a dickbag and everyone can, try, you know, stop giving him fucking excuses out there. Anyways, um, let's go to, to NXT. We started off with Adam Cole going against Matt Riddle. I'll just say this. It's been a while since I watched the episode. But the match was fucking fantastic. Both guys kicked the shit out of each other. There was a transition where basically Matt Riddle gave a kick to Adam Cole. Adam Cole came back with a super kick. And then, man, I can't remember. Or, or uh, that's right. I think he gave him then a belly to, a back-to-belly suplex for Matt Riddle to Adam Cole. And Adam Cole got up and did the um, the uh, fucking A, man. The Yushigoroshi onto the knee. Uh, his original uh, last shot, but now is the kind of set up for that. These guys beat the shit out of each other. I, I will say that it's it's very, not strange, but it's interesting, Chris, that I think that the wrestling that we're seeing on the TNT, you know, AEW show kind of resembles a wrestling, yeah, a, WCW too, but like kind of like a wrestling style that's more based off of what WWE does, like building off the crowd, you know, Wrists or headlocks and keeping that going with the tension of the audience and not going so fast. Well, at least with certain matches with Cody and, and Sammy, um, you know, not bing, bing, bing. But I feel like the quote unquote WWE USA wrestling show with NXT isn't happening more the style that New Japan and, you know, Ring of Honor, PWG, like that type of more. Uh, aggressive wrestling style that looks like it's more trying to go for a shoot fight with a lot of big moves. So I think that's interesting. I kind of like the difference. 
But, you know, AEW is kind of considered the indie darling. Um, I think that's kind of a, a cool element. But we see a lot more of that style, I guess, in the tag matches. Anyways, what do you think about this first match with Adam Cole versus Matt Riddle? Adam Cole won, by the way, if anyone's not keeping count. Yeah, it was easily my favorite match of both shows. I thought it was great. I loved all the deadlift uh, Germans and belly-to-bellies that Matt Riddle were hitting towards the end of the match, and they built it up well like he actually had a shot of winning, only to give Adam Cole a clean win and show him as a strong champion who didn't necessarily need a ton of help, right? So I actually liked it. I thought it was a really good match, and it went, like I said, almost the exact same length as their counterpart. Um I will say I think some of the differences you're seeing is AEW is trying to tell storylines to build characters, and then a lot of these NXT matches were already established characters or who they consider established characters, so they're not doing as much of that. Um, It'll be curious to see what they do going forward when you get someone like Finn Balor in a match versus Adam Cole. I think you're probably going to see more storytelling there, but yeah, for this match, it was straight. Like you said, this was very much like a almost like an Evolve or, or New Japan-style match where they just beat the absolute shit out of each other. It was great. I love Matt Riddle. Kind of wanted to see him get the win there. Um, obviously thought yep. it was a possibility just because the, like, the title was on the line, and they love to do title changes, especially at the opening of the show against uh, AEW because I think they could have gotten some channel switches there. But, uh, yeah, I thought that, man. Great match overall and probably my favorite match of both shows. Well, uh, right afterwards, uh, speaking of the devil but or demon, after the match, Finn Balor's music hit. He came to the ring uh, where with Adam Cole being in the middle of it, looked at his title, and said that he was returning to NXT. Um, we would come back, Velveteen Dream. Coincidentally, because I was going back and forth, just like both two of the best matches, I would say, went on at the exact same time to start it with Cody and Sammy and then also Adam and um, Matt Riddle, which I would say definitely that one was my favorite out of anything, but we had MJF laying out a promo directly afterwards. I switch over Velveteen dream is cutting a promo on Roderick strong, uh, setting up match. And then we got uh, also announced that Leo rush is going to be going against Drew Gulak for the now NXT cruiserweight championship. And then New York defeated medium in a pretty good match going back and forth. Uh, both ladies, just are badasses. So, um, yeah, I'm going to be honest with you. A lot of this, I'm trying to remember and grasp on everything. It's kind of hard for me. But I just know that both Mia Yim and Io Shirai are badass, so I'm pretty sure that it was good. And Shirai pinned Yim after landing her moonsault. Uh, good stuff, like Io Shirai as a heel. So, Chris, what did you think about Finn Balor returning to NXT, Velveteen Dream calling out Roderick Strong, and Io Shirai beating Mia Yim? I I absolutely loved it. I thought it was great uh, with Finn Balor coming back to NXT. I think it's a perfect fit for him until, you know, they get things settled down to the main roster, and then they'll probably shake things up again um, <laughs> a few months later or whatever. But right now, uh, I think Gargano is possibly hurt. Um, Ciampa is not fully back. So having someone like Finn Balor to go against the Undisputed Air is perfect, especially if they're not ready to pull the trigger on Velveteen Dream being that guy. Finn Balor's a huge star there and someone you could easily see uh, being the NXT champion or at least having a shot at being the NXT champion against a very strong faction. So I I actually really, really liked that a lot. Um, 
as far as Io Shirai and Mia Yim, I thought it was an okay match. It wasn't anything that really stood out other than Io's uh, been has been a really good heel since she had that turn, and I like where they're going with that character, and I hope they continue to develop it. I'm not a huge Mia Yim fan. I'm just not sold on her yet. I think she's good in the ring. I just the character itself coming out of the feud with Shayna Baszler, it's just not. I guess it's just not for me, or it's something with it's not clicking. Yeah, I, I get it uh, for sure. Um, and I, but I do just love how it's like. I, I guess the mentality is like. You know, they the WWE. They're like, we can't figure out these female Yoshi wrestlers. We got two, three of the biggest baby faces on the planet. What should we do with them? Let's turn them all heel. Okay, never mind. Anyways, but I do like Yo's trans transition. I like what's happening to both Oscar um, and Kerry Saint. So no one give me any shit for that. We did have a promo that played for Tegan Knox. Uh, really, really sad promo. And a lot of us that know this story about. I think she was in the first Mayon Classic, and she hurt herself, I think, beforehand and was taken out for years. She was supposed to be a part of the original one. Second one, she injured herself, and there's a lot of rumors that she might have been the one to win it. Um, and she's back from injury. I mean, her knees look like they're freaking put together by metal. Uh, you know, she's got, like, Stone Cold Steve Austin-style knee braces on both sides. I just want to see her really succeed, and I'm glad that she's making her way to NXT again. Because from what I've seen and from what a lot of people talk about her, she's a really damn good in-ring wrestler. And it's it's a good story to see an athlete be able to get over uh, some type of injury, especially one that was as tragic as hers. Um, but, yeah, Johnny Gargano won against Shane Thorne. Man, Chris, I will say, I was very impressed by Shane Thorne in this match. I, I The Mighty, I wasn't able to, you know, really pay attention too much, I guess, to either of them. But him by himself, and I think it was Nigel McGuinness that said that tomorrow or now, it was like, you know, he's actually a hidden gem over in Australia. A lot of people don't know about this. So I think that he had a really good showing, and it showed just how great of a wrestler Johnny, Johnny Wrestling, Johnny Gargano is, until John Morrison uh, comes to take the name Johnny Wrestling from the two of them. Anyways, what did you think about the Tegan Knox uh, uh, television package? And then also Johnny Gargano going against Shane Thorne. So I thought it was a decent match, and I thought Gargano did a good job here. And like you said, I, I thought Shane Thorne had a decent showing. It just wasn't anything that really excited me. Um, WWE is really bad about doing this, where they try to get like a very, very great match right off the bat, and then they're going to put – they slam things into the middle – and I think the spot on the card maybe hurt this match a little more than anything else because I was already prepping for, like, you know, the Women's Championship and Pete Dunne. Like, I knew that stuff was coming up later. So maybe that's just on how I watched it, uh, especially because I was going back and forth. But, yeah, I mean, it was a good Gargano match. It's not his best. Um, we've seen him do absolutely amazing things. But once again, it's um, it's a different format. So it, it was fine. It was the one thing I will say that was kind of neat is we saw someone get a win with a super kick. So there's that. <laughs> that doesn't happen that often anymore. Do you think that Sean was like, hey, Johnny, you know, if, if you're going to go over there, if you hit him with a super kick, can't you just, like, knock him out? That's a terrible version of Sean Michaels. It's very hard to do Sean Michaels, <laughs> let me just say. <clears throat> no one give me shit. All right. I think that this was this was by far, to me, personally, out of the two women's matches for the uh, 
well, for the introduction of the titles. And then I thought this was a really good match between Shayna Baszler and Candice LeRae for the NXT Women's Championship. Um, Baszler's a monster, and I thought she worked a lot in the ring. And, you know, for a lot of the people that don't, for some reason, think that she's terrible, she comes off efficiently like she's supposed to as this killer. Uh, no, she's not as graceful, but she does. She looks like a fighter. And I thought Candice did a great job evading her and just doing whatever she could do and getting the better of her several times and just showing how much of a badass she is. But inevitably, what happens? She gets in that rear naked choke. It's over. Uh, we also had a promo right after that for Kushida going against Walter next week, which should be fucking awesome as well. Anyways, Chris, what do you think about the uh, women's NXT championship match between Shayna and Candice? So uh, I really, really enjoyed this match as well. I don't know that I liked it better than the Rio match, but I really did like it. Um, I It was smart here for Shayna to continue to keep the title because I feel like there's, as we saw after this match and, and previously, she's got a lot of competition coming for it. So that, that to me makes is going to make for a good storyline going forward. Um, why can I not think of her name right now? They set it up perfectly a couple weeks ago, and I cannot think of her name. It's Rhea Ripley. Mind. Yeah, Rhea Ripley. I think that's kind of where they should probably go with the title from here, um, unless yep. they're just going to straight draft Shayna, which is possible. They could just draft her, and then the title would be open, and maybe that leads to a May Young Classic, which they haven't had this year, um, for the title in the Trophy of May Young, which they could do something like I that. I like that. Put the, put the tournament on TV, uh, which – is very plausible because I think having Shayna on SmackDown as part of the female roster is not necessarily the the worst idea if you're going for more of those type of wrestlers. Um, You know, people with former MMA backgrounds or amateur wrestling backgrounds or football backgrounds or whatever, she would fit right into that mold and be, it could be a dominant player there because I think she is ready. And we both said, I think she's been ready for the main roster for a while. I also don't get the hate. This match just seemed a little rehearsed. Uh, more so than I would have liked, but outside of that, it was a good match and, and solid to watch. I actually watched it twice. I watched the end of the show twice, I should say, but um, yeah, I liked it overall. I, I liked the Rio match a little better, but you know, if you, that's comparing apples to oranges at this point. Yeah, it really is. Uh, both matches were great. All the women are, are phenomenal. Um, and similar situations, too, with, with Rio and, and Candice looking like the underdogs because of their size based on Shayna and Nia, or Nyla, I should say. Anyways, uh, we had a match with Pete Dunne going against Danny Burch. Kind of random, but both these guys have been in the ring many times in the past. Danny Burch was, I believe, trained by Nigel McGuinness. Um, and just a very hard-hitting match. I hated that most of it was in the commercial break in the picture-on-picture. Picture. But uh, Dunne uh, pinned Burch after connecting the bitter end. Then the lights went out, and they came back on, and Damian Priest uh, laid out Peter Dunn. So that sets up stuff with that. Hopefully they can try to get Damian Priest to be something more so than Velveteen Dark uh, or Velveteen Black. That's what I meant to say because I feel like he's just a combination of those two guys. Anyways, uh, Chris, <laughs> what did you think about this match with Pete Dunn and then Damian Priest taking him out at the end of it, Undertaker style? I thought the I thought the match itself was really fun, like a really good match to watch overall. Um, I hate the name Damian Priest. I think it's fucking awful. So I'm just going to go ahead and throw that out there. But if you're going to build a feud, Damian Priest versus Pete Dunn's not a bad one because Pete Dunn's 
Uh, been very dominant in both the UK and, and in NXT to some extent. So this will be fun to see what they do. Uh, I don't necessarily want Damian Priest beating Pete Dunne um, right out of the gate. I would have kind of built him up a different way, but let's see where they go from here, I guess. Uh, I, I, or as, as Dave Meltzer would say, uh, we'll, we'll see where uh, we'll see where it goes from here. <laughs> well, see where it goes from here. Maybe uh, Okada will fight the Grand Kabuk. Uh, <laughs> I would love, I would a, love dude. Okada versus Pete Dunne though. Like someone book it. Ah, <laughs> God, two of the badasses have held belts for a long time that are fucking awesome, learning and young as shit. Anyways, uh, so. Last match, we had the NXT Tag Championship match. Undisputed Era champs going against the Street Profits, the ex-champs. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's because I saw – I think it was a three-on-three, three, but I saw a house show live uh, with the Street Profits and the Undisputed Era, and then they've had matches prior to this, obviously, the, the title one where uh, the Profits dropped it to the Undisputed Era. So I'm kind of sick of, sick of this fucking match. But they're, they're great together. It just – I think that they've had better matches in the past, uh, especially their previous pay-per-view match, and uh, it was fine. I'm not going to say anything bad. It was just I've seen it. Um, but after the match, Adam Cole was on stage and he was like, "Yeah, man, you guys rock!" And they were like, "You rock!" And they all had their titles and shit. And um, Adam Cole was uh, interrupted. All of a sudden, we heard the well, what used to be Taz's thing with the beep, beep, beep. But now we know that as Tommaso Ciampa, the Sicilian psychopath. Uh, and he's back. He comes. He looks at Goldie. And he just makes his presence known. And that's how we e- exit the show. I thought it was an excellent episode. I will say that a lot of the people that have been reviewing this stuff have said the same thing. That out of comparison, I think NXT had the better matches. Like the actual in-ring work. But I will definitely give the production and the storytelling to AEW. Uh, Their production was awesome. You can definitely tell the difference visually when you look at the two and compare them. The dark setting that I like of Full Sail versus this WCW similar type of presence on TNT. Um, The commentary, I think both commentary teams are great and I love having Tony Schiavone and JR on the same thing. Um, But when it came to storytelling, even though it was cool, I think that John Moxley coming back was awesome. And having Jack uh, Jake Hagar was cool as shit, too. But, you know, I, having Finn da- Balor come back and then Tommaso Ciampa at the end, that was also really, really cool. So I can't – I don't even know which one I like more. Maybe I more towards NXT. Wrestling was great overall. I just liked – I mean, that Adam that, – that, that first match was awesome, and I thought that most of the matches, the wrestling was very, very consistent. Um, maybe I'm crazy. But, Chris, what do you think about the last match – Tommaso Ciampa's return, and then overall, your thoughts on comparing the first week of the Wednesday Night Wars. Yeah, this wasn't the strongest Undisputed versus Street Profits match, and I also, I don't know what happened during this match, but Angelo Dawkins looked kind of awful the entire match. Um, And he's looked better in matches previously, but it really showed kind of how good Montez Ford is in comparison to his tag partner. Um and that's a little scary considering they're going to go up to the to the main roster and not wrestle with people that are as good as Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish. Uh, so from that standpoint, that, that scares me a little bit for when they get drafted because I do think they're going to get drafted to Raw. Um, but the match itself, like, it, it was fine overall. I just thought that the Street Profits have looked better. We'll say that. 
the Adam Cole celebration with the NXT ch- uh, Championship and, and Ciampa coming out was amazing. So now you have multiple people kind of gunning uh, for the Undisputed Era. If you look, you got Ciampa, um, you have Finn Balor, but then you also have Velveteen Dream, who wants the North American title back. So from I think you they're building to set up something really, really cool between those guys and set up kind of a big pay-per-view or a big blow-off event or something that could be really, really interesting. I guess we'll see this Wednesday because doesn't the draft start Friday or they're going to start leading into the draft on Friday on SmackDown this coming Friday? Yeah, I believe so. So, yeah, I I would assume that they're going to follow that up tonight um, and then we'll go from there. But I do think that's kind of where they're going with this is that you have, you know, three people chasing the undisputed that's going to help narrow down Adam Cole's odds for retaining. You're not going to have to worry about uh, all of the interference because these other guys are also gunning for Cole or gunning for the North American title. Which I, oh, by the way, we didn't really talk about about the Velveteen Dream promo. I thought was really, really well done, and I liked uh, this, them bringing him back out in the sofa, kind of an homage to one of his more famous uh, entrances slash promos. Yep, I do agree. Uh, just really good show, man. I think that if anything, regardless if if AEW beat NXT in the ratings department, I think that Wednesday night is the wrestling night. Um, I thought it was very classy of Cody to say kind words. I thought it was classy. A little bit directed a certain way. I don't have the uh, tweet in front of me, but WWE congratulated AEW for their first show. So if we can keep that and just realizing as a wrestling fan, something that Jericho has said, something that Jim Ross has said very recently, that we have it made right now because we have so many options. And just enjoy what you enjoy, like what you like, and shut the fuck up sometimes. I completely understand, though, because we're about to go into territory that we'll get into that. Um, So the way I'm going to break this down, I think the main – things to talk about from Hell in a Cell. The first match, which I enjoyed quite a, a bit, and the last match, which didn't. Uh, there was kind of a couple matches, in my opinion, uh, at the beginning, that were good stuff, but I thought that this pay-per-view, because of the fact that we only had fucking three matches announced until the day of, that there wasn't a lot of steam going into a lot of it. But I thought the first, I think it was three matches afterwards, were, were pretty good, had a lot of good stuff, so we'll group them in together. And then the other ones were just there, which was whatever. So we'll group those in together because I mainly want to talk about that last uh, thing because I have a lot to say about that. And, uh, you know, I've already gotten word from my buddy Anthony that he's looking forward to finding out what I thought about uh, The Fiend. Um, it, was, it was terrific, Anthony. Let's just put it that way. All right, let's start this thing off. Um, so, yeah, I thought that – I don't think – people are, like, really, really, really raving over it. And I thought it was a really great Hell in a Cell match. And they did a lot of innovative stuff, stuff cool with kendo sticks that I will credit uh, the Usos and the New Day before with their Hell in a Cell match, which was a, another great one. But I thought that Becky and Sasha had an awesome fucking match back and forth. I think that everyone's talking about the spot, obviously, which I don't know really what, how it helps Becky in the concept, but it looked cool of, you know, putting the kendo sticks, then putting the chair on top of the kendo sticks, then putting Sasha on top of that, and then doing a running drop kick. It looked like it was actually almost like a karate fucking kick. Um, but these ladies beat the shit out of each other. Um, and uh, unfortunately, I think Sasha might be injured. We don't know the details of the injury, but the fact they're keeping it on wraps is never a good sign. So we'll, we'll keep you updated when we find out about that information. But 
Yeah, I thought this was definitely the match of the night. Um, I don't know, maybe you'll you'll disagree with me on that, Chris, but I really enjoyed it. Lynch won by submission with the disarmor after hitting the Bexploder off the ropes onto a pile of steel chairs. Uh, but the one criticism I have, Chris, about this is how the fuck does this help Sasha? Now, you know, we don't know about injury, and we also don't know how long she's going to be out, but regardless about that, how to like – this goes back to the rumors, I think, that we heard that Vince kind of looks at Becky and Seth as a good way to represent Raw right now going into this quote-unquote new season like he does with Brock and Charlotte. It sure makes sense to that rumor with, with what happened because I, th- I feel like he brings Sasha back to this. You have so much interaction to, between the two of them. You have a no contest where they both beat the shit out of each other around the arena, and then you have her lose in the hell of a cell, which definitively seems like it would be the last fucking straw between the two of them. It just doesn't really do anything for Sasha and kind of, I don't know. I, I, I thought Becky could have lost the fucking title. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. What do you think? Well, I mean, if it's truly the end of the season or she is hurt, you just move her off the opposite brand from, um, from Becky and you give her Charlotte and you get that feud reunited. I mean, that would be where I would go with it. If you're doing that, I agree with you. I don't think it does a whole lot for Sasha because she, because she hasn't gotten any clean wins recently and kind of took a bunch of time off. So from that standpoint, it it sucks, but um, you could at least see how they could build something out of that. And the match itself, I thought was pretty good. I thought the ending was a little clunky or rushed or something because it's like Becky just took all of this, like all of this damage and then she just pops up out of nowhere and there's a Bexploder and then the Disarmor like she's fucking Ultimate Warrior or something um, but outside of that I thought it was a really good match my second favorite of the night because I actually really really liked the uh, the Roman Brian Rowan and, and Harper match yeah. quite a bit especially because I could I thought I think it was it over it over accomplished for me <laughs> it got 110% uh, on a test it was graded to 100 on normal standards. So uh, I, I, I thought that match wasn't going to be half as good as it actually was. No, and, and honestly, I mean, I really like that. That one would be my second favorite match. But I actually liked uh, some of the booking decisions, just like the Becky-Sasha, uh, I might not have agreed with. But I liked the next three matches a lot. So we this, this one especially, the Tornado Tag Match, Dana Bryan and Roman Reigns going against Eric Rowan and Luke Harper. A lot of cool shit. I think the biggest spot, and all of them scared me because there was a part where I thought Rowan hurt himself. Uh, There's a part where I thought Dana Bryan hurt himself. And then you had Luke Harper where he did like a running, and it looked like he was trying to go for a spear, and they got out of the way, but he was favoring his leg like he actually really hurt it and didn't look like where he would have hit in the spot. And then we had obviously a spot where uh, both him and Rowan, and I don't know how the fuck that table stood up, were on the, were on the, uh, the commentary desk in the middle, they already kicked on all three of them, so I'm like, all right, Roman's doing his spear thing soon, which would play out, obviously. But they go to do their finishing move, and uh, Brian, showing how fucking amazing Luke Harper is, and himself, does a Hurricane Rana. Hurricane Rana's Luke Harper off the table, and then you had Roman run, spear the shit out of Eric Rowan, and another situation where the way he landed, and he kind of looked like, unless he's really good at selling, which Roman is, it looked like he fucking tweaked his knee or it made me feel like that. So uh, these big guys just beat the living shit out of each other. Uh, another match, I, I thought Randy Orton and Ali was put together out of nowhere. Uh, no, no, no pun intended. But I thought they actually had a really good match. 
I would have liked Ali to have started a program after this with Randy since he lost to him, and it would have helped him out. But it was a good showing of Ali. I really liked some of the innovation. I thought at one point the uh, whatever the 360 thing was going to get turned into an RKO. That never ended up being the case. He did his outside, you know, coming in thing and perfect RKO. Thought it was a fun match, especially for last minute. And I really love seeing the Kabuki Warriors, even if they're going heel, beating Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. And I loved Asuka using the Green Mist. I mean, I'm going to be a sucker for shit like that. Apparently, she hasn't done that since she's been in Japan. So that was cool of her to bring that out. And even Kari Sane, who really doesn't seem like a heel, her on this and on Monday Night Raw with the pigtails, I'm down for it. I'm, I'm down for it because they're going to be baby faces to me. I'm, I'm going to still cheer for them over most. But uh looks like her and, and Becky Lynch are getting set up in a uh, little feud too, which I hope it's not like Hulk Hogan to uh, get the leg drop off the person that beat him. Uh, brother, brother sort of shit with Becky and Asuka. But anyways, Chris, what did you think about these three matches, especially the one you were gushing over with uh, Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns? Going and defeating Eric Rowan and Luke Harper. I just thought, you know, we finally got we got a payoff for a storyline that I didn't think was that great, but the match itself over delivered. Um, like you said, there was a bunch of great spots. If I had one nitpicky thing, because uh, I know we're kind of trying to get to the to the end that everyone wants to hear, uh, the one nitpicky thing is that Roman spent a lot of time outside of the ring with Daniel Bryan just selling forever, which I get why they did that because it was a tornado tag, so they got to make it look believable that these guys are, you know, massive badasses um, to set up Roman getting the victory later on. Um, but there were some great spots. Like there was one spot where Rowan got caught up by Brian in the LaBelle lock in the center of the ring and Harper had to come save him. Um, there was things that put Brian over, but for the most part, he just did all the selling and he's fucking incredible. Uh, and, and for the most part, carried a lot of the match, but the match itself was really good. Like anyone who wants a, a showing of how fucking good Daniel Bryan is, watch this match because uh, he was fucking yeah. amazing. Even all the way up to the end, where he he went for the hug instead of <laughs> instead of the handshake, <laughs> which was also great. It was cool to see. It was a good moment for the big dog to get the hug because I think that does put him over as more of a baby face. And uh, Seth Rollins should keep making people hate him because I feel like it's actually working in favor <laughs> for Roman Reigns. <laughs> the comeback of Roman Reigns. Um, the more and more people hate Seth Rollins, the better it is for Roman Reigns. Um, the Randy Orton match just kind of felt like a TV match, and I also was disappointed that we didn't get a win from Ali. Just having the guy repeatedly lose to other stars that are bigger than him is never going to get him over, regardless of how good the match is. And it yeah. seemed like it was kind of pressed for time, like it was an eight-minute you know, eight match. The Corbin Gable, we didn't get there yet, right? We're no, going to talk about the things about the- that were okay. Yeah, what did you think um, about the Kabuki Warriors uh, winning the titles and uh, the Green Mist from Asuka? So it's fine. I know a lot of people hate the Green Mist because they're like it should be a disqualification, um, and it always gets a baby face pop because of Muda. So from that standpoint, I would agree with them. I don't understand turning either of these people heel. I think they're yeah. more baby face. All right, well. I guess uh, let's talk about these ones. I'm going to just really go through them. So out of nowhere, we just got a match with the Viking Raiders and Braun Strowman going against COC, and it was just to pump up the fact that Braun Strowman has a strong punch when he knocked AJ Styles uh, for a loop, if you will. Um, And then Tamina became the 24-7 champion for two seconds to lose to R-Truth right before this next match. Chad Gable 
went against King Corbin. This wasn't anything bad or anything like that, but I don't know, just really didn't have any steam, and he defeated him, and then King Corbin beat the shit out of him in the back, so it didn't really help out the situation too much. And I didn't really care. I mean, it was fine. The in-ring wrestling was, was, was fine to me, but I've seen this match a million times. Charlotte Fair beat Bailey, and then Bailey had a pouty fucking thing at the end of it. So I guess maybe she's going heel. I don't know. I am happy though that Charlotte has a title. Sorry, Bailey. I do like you, but you know, it's Charlotte. Anyways, Chris, what'd you think? Um, hold on. Chris, I think you might have muted yourself, sir. All right, hold on, people. Just uh trying to figure out what's going on. Um, yeah, if you can hear me, Chris, uh, for some reason I see your phone, call back in. All right, so, well, we're about to talk about the big match. I guess I can give a little bit more details of how I felt. It's not that the Charlotte-Bailey match was bad. I just, um, you know, I just have seen that feud a bunch. I'm kind of getting sick of Bailey as the, you know, we need to see her do something. We need to see her turn full heel. Um, or it's not going to be, I would say, as hey. as intriguing to me. Oh, hello, Christopher. So I was uh, passing to you. Um, I don't know if you heard me rambling about uh, Charlotte and Bailey, saying it wasn't that bad of a match, but I've seen it a million times. But what'd you, how'd you feel about that match? How did you feel about... Uh, the last three matches, uh, Baron Corbin going against uh, Shorty G, if you fucking will, and also uh, the Viking Raiders and Braun Strowman beating the OC and Braun giving uh, AJ that them hands. Yeah, so Corbin and Gable are just fucking guys again, and they don't actually mean anything, and someone is – they even announced Gable as being Shorty G. Um, and they talked about it on commentary, so it was fucking, to me, that match, in, in the match itself, wasn't very good. Like, Corbin has lost all the effort that he had in the King of the Ring tournament, apparently. Um, <laughs> Bailey, Bailey versus Charlotte, it, it was fine. It seemed like a TV match, or like they were running out of time, essentially. It was nothing to write home about, and I've seen better matches from them before. Charlotte won the title, um, 10-time female champion, so that from that standpoint, it's cool. But uh, Bailey crying is such a babyface weird thing to do instead of attacking Charlotte or doing anything other than what she did. Um, so that, that, to me, the match was really, really odd. And then the, the, the Strowman match, didn't it just end with him not winning? I'm trying to remember. Oh, yeah. That's what happened was Strowman nailed AJ. He was going to go and pin him, and then the OC rushed the ring and started kicking the shit out of him. He got the five count from the ref, and he disqualified them. And then I don't exactly remember what happened after that. I just remember AJ is amazing at selling. He tried to walk for himself. He said, no, no, what happened? What happened? I'm from Gainesville. Like, you know, AJ is interesting <laughs> in this situation. But other than that, it was I mean, just a show. Like, Braun Strowman is going to fight Tyson Fury. Punches. Yeah, so – they were selling concussions, right? That's, I mean, that's what happened is that he got punched big because they're setting up the Tyson Fury thing, and he was selling a concussion. Is that how that match ended? Yeah, probably. Yeah, actually, 
You know what? Now I think about it, yeah, that that that's exactly what they could have been going for. Okay, so from that standpoint, I guess it makes sense because they're trying to build to that mass. But I don't necessarily think that a company that's had people legitimately try to sue them should be doing anything with concussions and storyline. Yep, I agree. I, that's, that's definitely a good point. Um, I don't know. We'll we'll see how that goes. Um, when we get through this match, guys, we'll have a couple more. Uh, minutes, so we'll, we'll we'll talk about both that and the Cain Velasquez things. But let's let's uh, let's let's go into this because I have a couple minutes worth of uh, things I want to talk about. We have the Hell in the Cell match for the Universal Title. Fiend Bray Wyatt going against Seth Rollins, and it lost. It, there was I, I don't even know if there's a, a loser. I think uh, the he was. Uh, it was a no contest. Well, That's I mean, in any the, other sport. If if one person cannot continue and the other person is continually beating their ass, then that person wins. So I don't know how other people read it, but that's how I read it, is that Seth Rollins was going to kill this guy because he wouldn't give up. So the ref called it because he thought Seth Rollins was literally going to kill the Fiend. All right. Well, I, I guess that, that that is a good point to take in um, and gives a little bit more context. Look, I'm going to say this. The match to me was not going bad. I didn't mind the red lights, but I can understand why people that were fucking attending would, because that would probably be annoying after a while. But I thought it was kind of cool and just represented this horror concept that is The Fiend. I mean, doesn't matter if we like him a bunch. He's supposed to be the heel. He's this evil fucking monster that does all this type of, you know, evil stuff and, and, and comes up and, and grabs people from behind and shit like that. So... Obviously, we like him more than Seth, so we're not going to see him presented that much as a baby face and Seth presented as a heel. And I get what they're trying to go for. He shouldn't have fucking been anywhere close to this goddamn match. He is a spectacle type of concept, like The Undertaker, like Andre the Giant. He's someone that doesn't need a title. Brock Lesnar is also one of those people, but I'm not going to even get started on that. So you can give him the title eventually, but you don't have to force him in a title match try to pack it out. You could have had Seth Rollins going against someone else, like an AJ Styles, and had The Fiend going against someone else. Um, I just think this is a really fucking bonehead. At the end of it, I, I think that, I mean, I don't know. The whole the whole no contest thing, it's like you had a, you've had matches where the person got thrown off the fucking top of it. You had match at the beginning of the night where the girl took uh, you know, a, a thick chain put around her fist and was punching the person in the face with it. I just, I get what they were going for. If they went in the exact same direction and the fiend just smashed out of all that shit, uh, I mean, if you don't, ha- if you don't have to do the hammer spot. Also, hammers. He had a giant fucking mallet, a giant version of the one that he or that uh, which call it, uh, the rabbit got killed by. Like, that's okay. The sledgehammer, not so much. I get Seth was trying to kill him, but, I mean, The Fiend seems like he's also that person. And Fiend gets up at the end of it and chokes Seth Rollins and blood comes out. I just thought it was fucking ridiculous. crowd was pissed. Uh, they wanted a re- they were sh- sh- saying refund. They were saying AEW, which is probably the worst thing that you want to hear. Uh, I just don't think that it was necessary to put The Fiend against Seth Rollins for the title. If you weren't going to put it on The Fiend... That seemed like the only solution. We talked about this for weeks building up. Uh, if they were to have done something else, I was going to be stupid. Hell in a Cell is useless. 
Last year, it ended in a fucking no no contest or a DQ or some other type of situation. I remember with uh, with with uh, Roman Reigns and, and Braun Strowman. Uh, Seth's finisher is completely pointless now because it took like seven of them to get Braun down. It took like thirty of them and a pedigree to kind of keep the fiend down enough to collect debris and throw it on him. Uh, and I think this kind of hurts the fiend a bit. It definitely cools him off. And it definitely is turning Seth into fucking Roman Reigns now for everyone to be pissed at him. I really, if this could have been, if this was, to me at least, if this was a squash, I would have been okay with it, with Fiend just destroying him. I wouldn't, I would have preferred, similar to other situations, uh, you know, a little bit of offense and then him just getting the better of him. But I'm just saying, if, if that was one of my choices, I would have been okay with that. If, I mean, I know me and you obviously didn't want this, Chris, but even if the fucking Undertaker came from the bottom or through the ring and started grabbing the Fiend, took him out, and that was their reasoning, it would have been better, I think, from what they did. Uh, getting the medics, like I want to see the Fiend with medics around him and shit like that. At least have him start tossing him around. Like, there's so many elements at the end of this that just completely boggle my mind. Uh, I, 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 I don't get it. Uh, it was, it was really stupid. And I would have loved to have seen Seth, you know, they had this with Bray and fucking Cena not too long ago where Bray was trying to get Cena to go over the edge and he wouldn't. And he ended up not doing it because he's such a fucking Girl Scout. That's great. But then Seth inevitably does it against the Fiend, which is, I don't think parallel. I'm just saying this has happened before with Bray. So if he goes to that edge, Put him back to fucking heel Seth Rollins because he's going to get fucking swarmed. I would have loved a heel turn and also Bray winning. That would have been awesome. Uh, that didn't happen. None of that happened. Uh, to me, the worst situation happened where the ambulance rushed him and then he ended up getting up and we saw red food coloring come out of Seth's fucking mouth to go off with people shouting AEW. Uh, Chris, what did you think about all this? So it fucking sucked. <laughs> Let's sum it up. This is uh this is the worst thing I've seen in WWE in a while. Uh and I'll give multiple reasons. I hate the red coloring shit. They did it with Sincara. It was fucking terrible then, it's terrible now. Um the match itself I thought was okay. Uh, not the way that they booked it or what they were going for, or the fact that they thought they needed to use that many weapons. I hate the fact that they have sissified Seth Rollins from the guy that was literally carrying a chair around hitting anyone who even mentioned the word Brock Lesnar to a guy that's scared of the fiend in a clown mask or Bray Wyatt in a clown mask. Um, I hate the fact the fiend didn't win the match. If you're going to book it, at least have the guy win it and win it strong. If you're not going to do that, set it up for someone that you have coming in like Kane Velasquez could have fit here, come out to attack both of them, or you could have had Brock Lesnar you know, the beast versus the fiend, you could have done that if you wanted to and had, you know, Bray win and the beast slam. And there's a bazillion different ways out of this match other than what they did. And the fact that people shit on it was well-deserved because it was fucking dumb. Like we literally saw Mick Foley get thrown off a thing, almost die, get rolled off on a stretcher, come back in and finish a match. Like <laughs> you can't do that in a, you can't do that in a hell in a cell. You can't. I'm sorry. You can't you let him call go the match. back when he shouldn't have in real life with Mick Foley. But Bray is yeah. Jason and fucking gets a ladder smacked against his head with a fucking sledgehammer. Are you kidding me? Sorry. 
It's fucking dumb. People deserve to be pissed. People have every right to be pissed. Like, just don't do the fucking match. And to end a week of wrestling on that note, what the fuck? (laughs) To do it after you had such a good run with NXT and AEW on Wednesday, and then to follow up what you did on Friday, which we're not even going to be able to get into, but Kofi getting fucked over because you're bringing Kane Velasquez in. And the show highlighting around Tyson Fury, who can't wrestle, who isn't a wrestler, who is a boxer. Um, there's a lot of fucking things that they did wrong after Wednesday. We'll go, we'll go with that. Um, I would say the only highlight from Wednesday forward, uh, as far as like things maybe they did right, was having Kevin Owens have a good match in a ladder match. And then they ended the Roman um, story and kind of set him up as a, as a more sympathetic baby face. And Becky got a strong win. But coming out of everything else out of this, they did nothing to get anyone over. They actually fucked the fiends push up a little bit. But I think that's just going to make the fans like him more because WWE fans realize how much bullshit that was. Um, surprisingly, it, it, that kind of may have worked in their favor if they go if they do it right going forward. Uh, but yeah, it was bullshit. Made people hate Seth Rollins. If you thought that like Roman Reigns was pushed to the moon or that Roman Reigns had way too many wins under his belt, this is the most atrocious one I've seen. I can't think of any time where Roman beat someone that that was this clearly should have been the guy. Maybe you could say Braun, but you could debate that. Um, Would you say this is worse than uh, Sheamus beating Daniel Bryan? I would say yes. Because at least then they were just like, we're going to try to set a, a record. Daniel Bryan is supposed to be a heel. People aren't supposed to be behind him. We're going to do this, and Sheamus is our guy. This was like, they clearly knew Fiend was the guy. They're giving him more television time than anyone else. He's having these segments. He's selling shit like crazy. And they're like, let's put him in a match with Seth. We got the draft coming up, so we need Seth to hold the title. So how do we get out of this? Oh, I got it. We'll do a fuck finish and a hell in a cell. And that's not going to make anybody mad ever. <laughs> like, no. It, and you know what? This doesn't just go on Vince. Everyone who is a fucking writer there, the ref, uh, Seth as a performer, um, Bray as a performer, everyone should have had a problem with how they were going to finish this match. If anyone thought they were going to go out there and the fans were going to react any way other than what they did, and they all need to be reined the fuck in. Um, yeah, I ran over, but this was fucking awful and deserves to be crucified because it was goddamn terrible. I'm just, I'm just so fucking annoyed. It's like my intelligence was fucking just fucking grabbed out of my head. I waited till the end. I was tired. It, it, it's and like was, they looked at every wrestling fan across the world and said. You guys are fucking marks, so it doesn't matter. So we're just going to do this anyways. And every once in a while they do that, and that's the reaction they get. And they're like, oh, it's okay because we're WWE. Well, sometimes it's not fucking okay, man. <laughs> All right? Yeah, you know what? We had two good reviews at the beginning. I want to go out. I hate to say this, but, you know, the last little while I want to talk about uh, Kofi uh, because we're not going to have a chance to talk more about anything else. We'll do the Tyson Fury, Braun Strowman, Cain Velasquez, Brock Lesnar stuff on Saturday if we do a show. If not, we'll cover that stuff, what happens on Friday show SmackDown, the next show, which will include all that stuff. But I I, I like Cain Velasquez coming out, going against Brock Lesnar. 
what the fuck did they have to do that to Kofi for? I mean, he did have a great six-month reign. He had some awesome wins over people, including Randy Orton, Daniel Bryan, really solidified a good title reign. He was the first African-American, uh, you know, WWE champion. Like, he goes in the history books. But to beat him, he just jumped into a fucking fisherman's carry. To beat him like that, just a smack in the face of the fans, a smack in the face of him, it just taints it at the end and kind of sends him back to fucking oblivion. And, you know, un- unfortunately, a, lo- a part of me wants to see the New Day get split up by the draft so these guys can kind of show what they can do. But I just really wish that they would have at least given Kofi – they didn't they, – they were going over on time and they were kind of like just, just floundering a bit, Cain Velasquez and Brock. So clearly they could have given more time to this match. There was stuff – like the Roman and fucking, you know, lumberjack match, that they could have taken time out of that for this match to give Kofi just a little bit of fucking offense, and then he loses to Brock Lesnar. Like, I don't think it's so much to ask, but instead, you just devalue this dude after a fucking pretty damn, you know, a good run uh, for him. I just thought it was, like, another slap followed by an even bigger fucking slap with the right with this whole entire shit with the fucking fiend. Anyways, Chris, what do you think? So I agree with you 100% everything you said. I think there's an easier way you could have done this to set up just Kane versus Brock because Brock, like you said, doesn't need the title. And Kane Velasquez is Kane Velasquez. You just have Kane attack Brock before the match even starts, and then the, the championship match doesn't matter. That's it. That's yep. all you had to do. And then you can set Kofi up to lose it in a different manner than what they had him lose it as. It, it seemed like very rushed decision-making. Um, it seems like they signed him literally earlier in the week and didn't have time to think about what they were going to do with Kane. I like what they did with Ray. I thought Ray Mysterio cut an amazing promo on Monday, which gives you a reason of why Kane would attack Brock. But he could have just attacked him before the match, and then you don't do the title change. I think the title change was stupid. It launches, like you said, Kofi back into obscurity. Now every fan that's ever cheered for Kofi or believed in Kofi just knows that he's not as good as Brock. And Seth, apparently, because Seth beat Brock. So he's just a guy. And, and that's how it was treated, because he got destroyed in, like you said, like seven seconds. Off one F5. He didn't even kick out of one. So... <laughs> From that standpoint, I will go. I will live on a positive note. I do like what they're doing with Rey Mysterio, and if he's going to be kind of Kane's manager or something, and they're going to have like a little crew um, with him and Paul going at it over the mic or something, and Kane really trying to protect Dominic, I think that's an interesting storyline. I think the way they set it up was kind of shitty. Yeah, man. It just was. It was. It was annoying. Um, I don't know. But I do, I do agree with you. To be positive, I like that little group. Hey, if you guys want to, you know, get maybe um, uh, the, the Mexican Rocky, Andy uh, Ruiz, to join your group, that'd be fucking awesome. Then you get, like, the champion boxer, Cain Velasquez, Rey Mysterio, and Walter. Fucking, that's like the four horsemen of fucking death, man. Fucking Walter. Anyways, um, yeah, but... I had to get that off my chest. I try to be positive. I really like wrestling now. There's a lot of options. There's a lot of fucking bitching from people, even ones that get paid, that don't, that, that it just like, go take some CBD and, you know, melatonin at nighttime and get a better fucking sleep because it's just like, you're, you're just angry. But on something like this, both situations, 
I agree. It's a bit fucking ridiculous. And I'm glad that we were able to kind of talk it out. Um, but yeah, that was that was some bullshit. The Fiend was even some bigger bullshit. I I really hope the best for Kofi. I you know get him in another title run for the IC belt or some shit. Um, or and, uh, maybe he just leaves and goes to another company and they do Young Bucks versus New Day? <laughs> I'm not saying I don't hate that idea, but uh, I don't hate that idea at all. Uh, no, I don't. I, I wish the best for Kofi as well. And, I, I, you know, to wrap my statements up with a pretty bow, I guess, so to speak, um, everyone, normally, me and you, put a positive spin on a lot of bullshit. This week, if you're mad about Hell in a Cell, be fucking mad about Hell in a Cell. <laughs> yep. <laughs> because I think everyone deserves to be a little disappointed in what they were given on that. And if you paid for it on pay-per-view, $60, then I that's even worse for people that may be listening and say, like, Alaska, where you can't get the WWE Network consistently. I would jump in one of those fucking ice ponds where the hole is. Uh, anyways, uh, yeah, all right. So let's kind of wrap this up. I will say that we will talk about Tyson Fury with Braun Strowman because more stuff will happen on SmackDown. We'll cover the Raw uh, a bit. Um, and then Cain Velasquez or Brock Lesnar. But – and also I really wanted to bitch about that Rusev drama, but I'm just going to leave that. Uh, I don't know what the hell they're doing with that whole entire thing. I, this is what happens when people keep on saying they want the fucking Attitude Era. If you get something shitty from the Attitude Era like that. Either way, <laughs> I want to go on, on a positive note and ask you, Chris, how did you like the first episode of NWA Power from Billy Corgan with such amazing wrestlers as Nick Aldis and fucking Trevor Murdoch and Mr. Kennedy, a.k.a. Mr. Anderson? and um, Eli Drake, and so many others. What did you think about the first episode? I thought it was absolutely incredible. It touched me right in my nostalgia for GCW and uh, early WCW, specifically specifically the stuff that I grew up watching on tapes with my grandparents and uh, my dad. So, like, I really loved it. I know some people aren't going to like it as much. Um, If you don't like not having pyro or ring music, then you're probably not going to like this. What I will say, it's two of the best promos I've heard in wrestling in a very long time. Uh, We're on that show. I thought the first episode uh, was really, really well built. We got to see some actual squash matches that made sense. Uh, We got to see development of characters. Uh, I thought it was really, really well done, man. I, I, I expected less, and they gave me more which always makes me happy as a wrestling fan. And um, it was really, really, really great. I, I'm looking forward to watching more of it, knowing that there's even more and bigger athletes to come. And uh, hell, man, me and you got to make it out to one of these television tapings for sure. Uh, we really, <laughs> they really do. Me. Yeah, man, I, I completely agree. And I, I, I'm trying to remember – who Billy Corgan does this with. I think it's, it's, it's Dave Lagana. I could be completely wrong on that. Uh, but that just, it's Dave, it's Dave Lagana. And he, uh, just did it today. If you like, uh, if you want to hear more about NWA, because we didn't get to talk much about it. They did an interview on wrestler. He did an interview with wrestling observer live kind of describing about going to Turner and pitching the original idea about it being like GCW and, 
talking about the scale of what they could do. They could do like a Monday night raw, or they could do like a recorded show like they used to do um, when they filmed, uh, you know, Georgia championship wrestling. So the interview itself is really great. And I highly recommend listening to it for sure. Hell yeah. Well, anyway, yeah. And, and, and that's the thing is like, Dave has a really cool show that's on YouTube. Like if you're watching being the elite and that's your thing for AEW to kind of like include it into there. And I also love AEW dark. I forgot to say that really cool concept. Love the first episode. This uh, Ten Pounds of Gold is more of like this documentary of the champion himself, and it's a really, really great documentary. And then you have this awesome show that's just a throwback. I love the weird things like the 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 thing with Austin Idol where he's trying to get people to come out to his wrestling camp and like how it kind of looks like. I, I I told you, Chris, if they ever wanted to work this out, I don't know if they would be able to, but this seems like you could actually put it like the recording of it late night on Adult Swim. It might be a good audience, especially that weird Tim and Eric style transitions that look old school 80s, you know, commercial-esque shit. But I love the actual wrestling. Now, this is kind of like WWE Superstars. Uh, well, WWE Superstars was in a bigger arena, but it's, it's a lot of like squash matches almost. Like it, it's more about these are going to set you up for the pay-per-view. It's all about the promos themselves and um, the superstars. And Great talkers. They have great talkers to come. Eddie Kingston is another one. Uh, just awesome. And I'm looking forward to it. I'm gushing about it because I really enjoyed it. I mean, I think that Tuesday, I'm going to give Impact a try when they go to live uh, in the next couple weeks after their pay-per-view. But I might watch this at 6, AEW Dark at 7, and then watch Impact at, uh, at 8 and have a nice little three-hour wrestling thing. But anyways, Chris, any words to wrap that up about uh, NWA Power? Yeah, I think that these guys from Tuesday seem like they're working together, especially with the way that they time-slotted themselves. So that in itself is kind of cool. Tuesday night's going to be a fun night for wrestling, especially if you just want something that's different than everything else. Um, Impact a little less so, but uh, the other two shows, yeah, for sure. It's, it, it's fun. I'm excited to see where they go with it. It was a great opening show. We had an amazing title match. Nick Aldis and Eli Drake, like I said, I think cut two of the best promos I've heard in wrestling in the past month, two months. Um, I don't know. When's the last time Tamatonga went on a rant? Uh, <laughs> no, all, all jokes aside, it was it was a really really great show um, and definitely worth watching. Um, I'm not going to put it in the same category as like what NXT um, and AEW did on Wednesday, but yeah. I will say it was surprisingly really really good. And we also have the MLW. There's so much wrestling out there. So if you're frustrated with Hell in a Cell, don't worry. All these other companies, they've got. <laughs> something for you that's good for sure and then new japan and ring of honor and all the other stuff i mean it's so ridiculous and and if you want to watch some triple a or sim ll you know you can find that on youtube as well they mean it rhyme right there but that happened but i just loved also that we got we have AEW that has its wcw kind of feel to it um it's always going to kind of remind me of that especially since on tnt you got nwa that's obviously mimicking the old nwa style of the 80s and shit like that um, you got uh, Impact. That's still the, re- the the kind of the you know the same style as TNA. It's 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 still got that same thing. So people that like TNA, Raw is obviously your WWE you know normal type of wrestling show. SmackDown's game you know put in a, a, a interesting situation, but you have that with these sports athletes coming on here. NXT's got its niche crowd, uh, much more you know. It's it's just different, and then you also have on top of that 
fucking Ring of Honor, who is kind of like still the Philadelphia-based ECW-like other wrestling product that's out there. And uh, everyone's doing their thing, and you have it all at once, and you have all this ability to go back and watch a fucking Luthez match and a Hulk Hogan match from the 80s, all in, you know, just a YouTube session if you fucking want to. It's really great to be a wrestling fan, as stupid it was for WWE to fucking do that to Bray Wyatt and Kofi Kingston. Screw you, WWE. Anyways, Chris, closing words before we leave. Yes, sir. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Um, sorry if we got a little negative at the end, but like Dane said, tons of great wrestling to watch. I'm going to watch as much of it as possible. I'm sure we'll be able to recap, hopefully, all of that NWO Power Show because I thought it was really good and some other stuff yeah. uh, later on. But uh, if you want to reach me, you can get me at Chris R. Patton on Twitter. On Facebook, you can get me Christopher.R.Patton on Facebook. And uh, as always, make sure you check out Skates the Throats. If you're a hockey podcast fan, we, uh, we talk about rivalries in the history of hockey as well as what's going on in the league. So, uh, yeah, that's it for me. All right, guys. Well, that was another wonderful episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Check us out next week, uh, 7 p.m. EST, and uh, just stay tuned. Also, new episode of Monday Suck that came up on Monday where I uh, reviewed the Joker movie. So check that out. And uh, you guys have a wonderful evening out there in the Geek Vibes of Nations. Peace out.